0: Well, good morning, everyone. So, my name's Graham. Um, If you haven't, I haven't met you before, but I'm one of the ministers here. If you want to keep your Bible open, it'd be very helpful on um, to Ephesians, actually. As we uh, we'll flip around a little bit as as we continue our series on the Lord's Prayer. But Ephesians is probably the best spot to land. But I'm going to have a few verses up here as well. So, um, there's a lovely picture of Robbo, by the way. You might recognise that spot um, in the mist. Alright, well the other thing I want to tell you about too, uh, and there's an outline in your bulletin, it'd be helpful to have that open in front of you, and we are going to have a Q&A time at the end, so if you've got a little question, then maybe scribble it down, and then you can ask it at the end, or a comment you'd like to make, or a word of encouragement, um, we'll aim to do that at the end of our little time together here. So, how about we pray together, and ask God to uh, guide us by his word, and help us to understand him better as we, uh, as we read and think. Uh, Father, we thank you that we can come together today. We thank you for the, the, um, the gift that church is. And we thank you that, uh, yeah, we can hear from you now. You don't leave us in the dark. Um, you guide us by your word, and we're thankful for that. Um, and as we think about this prayer of Jesus, uh, we pray that we too would pray and be able to pray your will be done on earth as it is in, as in, as it is in heaven. So, uh, amen. Well, it was November 2003... I was uh, finishing up my theological study in Sydney and Michelle and I were standing in the kitchen of our place at Newtown, student accommodation there, and I had two job offers in my hand. One was to go to Adelaide and one was to go to Perth. We didn't want to work in Sydney. Who would? Um, (laughs) I hope that's recorded. Um, So what do we do? What should we do? What was the right decision? What was the, is there a right decision? Is there a godly decision? We'd weighed them all up very carefully and we wondered, what's the will of God for us in this moment? All right, jump back to October 1998. I was sitting in an intimidating job interview. Uh, 15 interviewers were seated around me in a horseshoe shape and I was on a single chair in the middle. The teacher, well, actually, to be honest, it was intimidating, but I was actually, I remember being quite comfortable. And it might say something about me more than anything else. Anyway, the job was for a PDHPE teaching position at a Christian school up on the mid-north coast with some Christian studies classes sort of uh, added there to fill up the load. The interview seemed to be going pretty well. You know, we laughed a bit, we prayed together, I was able to answer their questions, all good things. It was a good feeling amongst it all. Then one of them asked me, how do you know if it's God's will for you to come and teach here? How would you have answered that question? What would you have said, do you think? And would you have gone to Adelaide or Perth? And why? What would you have done? Should I have expected a sign, uh, some sort of confirmation that this particular action was indeed God's will? Well, today we come to this fourth phrase in our series on the Lord's Prayer. In these uh, verses, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. In response to their question, Lord, teach us to pray. This is how he answered. How to pray. This is the outline. This is what ought to shape our prayers As we've been seeing, it ought to shape our lives as well. And we're invited to pray to the sovereign Lord of all, the King of kings, and call him Father. And so today we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're praying. Now these are words that Jesus knew well. These are words that Jesus lived out. In less than three years, he faced the agony of the cruci- of crucifixion. He prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, you might remember these words. He said to his Father in heaven, he says, "Not my will, but as you will." As he prayed through, uh, uh, through tears, "Not my will, but as you will." And in this surrender, our salvation was secured. The Lord's Prayer, you see, invites us to walk humbly as Jesus did, to surrender our lives to God, to daily accept God's will for our lives, however painful that path may be. Disciples of Jesus must learn to pray, not my will be done, but that our heavenly Father's will be done. So, and as we, as we pray, you see, your will be done on earth as in heaven, Jesus is telling us to pray that everyone on this earth including ourselves, will obey our Father as perfectly and as gladly as those in heaven are doing right now. So then, how do we surrender our lives to God's will? That's our question this morning. And really, what is God's will anyway? What is God's will? Let's start with a bit of a problem, I guess. See, the problem is... With the phrase, the Lord's will, uh, the will of God, and other variations, the problem is it's a bit of a source of confusion for Christians, and has been for a little while. Uh, God-honouring Christians get a bit confused over it. What does it mean to seek the Lord's will? Is discerning the Lord's will as hard as some Christians make it out to be? Can you miss out on it? Like as if you're hitting a bullseye, you're trying to hit the bullseye, But if you miss, well, you're getting second best. If you miss the Lord's will, well, then you're getting second best. and not really what God wants you to do. It leads to some fairly anxious moments as Christians. So let's think about this little phrase for a minute. Now, by way of illustration, I wonder if you're anything like uh, Jenny here. Not her real name. Um, Not a real letter, but I wonder if you're anything like this. So Jenny writes to her minister. And at the top of the letter, it's, it's in bold caps. It says private and confidential. Dear Minister, please can you help me? I am anxious to determine God's will for my life as I decide whether to apply for Wollongong or Sydney University. My parents live in Kirribill, so I wonder if God wants me to, uh, to honour them by going to Wollongong or to love my brother who lives in Glebe just down the road from Sydney Uni. My boyfriend is at UTS Broadway um, studying journalism. So I'm not sure if God wants me to be near him so we can see each other more and perhaps get married or to put God first and go to Wollongong and look after my parents. I love the beach and I love surfing, so Wollongong would be great. But it may be that God wants me to make the sacrifice and go to Sydney. And the Christian group at Sydney Uni is really good and some say better than Wollongong's. That's not true, but anyway. Um, (laughs) But I don't know whether God is telling me to go to Sydney for the better teaching or go to Wollongong to serve more. My friends reckon Sydney is more fun and has a better nightlife. But is that from the devil? I'm trying, to open, I'm, I'm trying to be open to God's signs, but can you tell me how many signs should point to the same thing for me to know it's from God? I'm very confused, and I need your guidance about God's guidance. How do I find God's will for my life? In Christ, Jenny. Or P.S., I seem to have lost the application to Wollongong. Is that God telling me I should go to Sydney? <laughs> Talk about confusing. Talk about confusing. But it's interesting, isn't it? It's, that's an interesting question. Why are Christians like Jenny, God-honouring Christians, who are really keen to serve and honour God, why are they so desperate to find out God's will for their lives? In his little book, um, Kevin DeYoung's little book, uh, it's called Just Do Something. Here it is. It's very small. It's a great little book. Uh, it's not too American, so it's really good or easy to follow. Nothing wrong with that, of course. We love Americans. <laughs> Sorry. We don't know... No, no, i just stop now. It's a, re- <laughs> it's a really good book. Sometimes American books aren't quite culturally Australian. So we love you guys. We really do. Um, but sometimes they miss the mark with Australian culture. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, anyway, it's really good to read Britain. Now, he suggests a number of reasons why Christians, God-oriented Christians, are so keen to seek out the will of God. Now, i just mentioned a few. You can read more of them in his book. But one is, one is, well, we want to please God. We're seeking the will of God because we want to please God. We don't want to be difficult. We, we love Jesus. We sincerely want to obey him. We think that God has a, a specific path uh, picked out for us, and we don't want to miss it, and we don't want to let him down. Now, we, we, we want to please God. I wonder if you saw this little uh, report in the news a few years ago. Is the title of the report news report? A man, 91, dies waiting for the will of God. Uh, Tupelo, Mississippi. Walter Houston, described by many by family members as a devout Christian, died Monday after waiting 70 years for God to give him clear direction about what to do with his life. He hung around the house and prayed a lot, but just never got that confirmation. His wife Ruby says. Sometimes he thought he heard God's voice, but then he wouldn't be sure and he'd start the process all over again. Houston, says, Houston uh, she says, never really figured out what his life was about, but felt content to pray continuously about what he might do for the Lord. When he was about to take action, he would pull back because he didn't want to disappoint God or go against him in any way, Ruby says. He was very sensitive to always remaining in God's will. That was primary to him. Friends say they liked Walter, though he seemed not to capitalise on his talents. Walter had a number of skills he never got around to using, says longtime friend Timothy Burns. He worked very well with wood and had a storyteller side to him, too. I always told him, take a risk, try something new if you're not happy, but he was too afraid of letting the Lord down. To his credit, they say, Houston, who worked mostly as a handyman, was able to pay off the mortgage on the couple's modest home. Now, the article's not real. It's on one of those Christian uh, satirical sort of sites. You might have guessed that. But you see, the point is uh, that our thinking becomes muddled when we believe in this idea that God has a special path for us and we have to find it, no matter how well-intentioned we are in our willingness to please God. The result is a life of apprehension, confusion and fear, no matter how well-intentioned we are. You see, that's not what the Bible teaches about the will of God. Uh, De Young also argues that this seeking can also come about because we are timid. So we're paralysed with indecision and inactivity as we wait on God. I've worked with people in Christian ministry just like this. It takes them months to make a decision. It's almost an excuse to do nothing. However, I think the final reason of, uh, in De Young's little book here... That we' we'll pick up on on why Christians are so desperate to find out the will of God in their lives, I think is the most crucial, and that is that we have too many choices. Previous generations didn't struggle with the will of God, didn't struggle with the question of seeking the will of God, because they had less choices. Christians living on a dollar a day don't struggle with this question, because they have no choices, or very little choices. Choices are a luxury of the rich. Choice of career is a luxury most of this world does not have. In our culture, we have an endless stream of opportunities and options. And so Christians get caught up wondering and wrestling whether this is or that is, this option is God's will. In our generations past, because, well, we had very little choice of career, of housing, even of church, and, and much less choice in a marriage partner as well. In previous generations, the will of God discussion didn't even come up. Seeking the will of God is a very modern, Western, rich person's problem. So what then is the Lord's will? What is it then? What exactly are we praying for when we say your will be done? Is it as confusing as, and mysterious as some make it out to be? Well, the Bible's teaching, thankfully, is, is straightforward, really. Uh, there are two ways, I think, the will of God is spoken of in Scripture. And we can see them there in your outline. God's secret will and God's revealed will. So let's, uh, let's turn to these now. So the will of God in Scripture. is point two in your outline. And we'll think about God's secret will first. See, our Father's secret will is what he chooses to decree will happen without telling us. That's his secret will. We discover some of this as it unfolds in the history of our world and in our lives. Uh, Peter Jensen and Tony Payne have written a book called Guidance and the Voice of God. I've got a picture of it later on. I've spoken about it lots of times. Um, It's the best Christian book you'll ever read, that I've ever read anyway. Um, Go and get it. Do yourself a favour. They use the, the term God working behind the scenes. So here's God working behind the scenes in his sovereign and irresistible way. God works in all things to move people along the path he's planned out for them. He turns our hearts this way. He pushes us in that direction. He arranges things. He directs behind the scenes. And more often than not, well, we figure it out after the event. We look back and think, oh, yeah, Yeah, God was doing that, 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 and that. Clearly. Ephesians 1 verse 11 tells us, Everything that ever happens always happens according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Now that doesn't mean though that God that God is responsible for our sin for example the Bible teaches both human responsibility and divine sovereignty. So a good example is, is the cross of Jesus Christ. Uh, Acts 2 verse 23, this man, that's, so here's Peter uh, talking to the, the Jewish leaders at the synagogue uh, in Jerusalem. And he says, this man, that's Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, divine sovereignty. And you, that is you Jewish leaders, you with the help of some wicked men, I take it that's the Romans... Put him to death by nailing him to the cross. See, human responsibility, divine sovereignty. Now, nor does God's secret will have, find any delight in our suffering. Instead, God promises through suffering our faith is refined. And what's more, in Jesus, God has joined us in our suffering. He knows what it's like. And one day as we trust in Jesus, that suffering will end. But there's one more significant aspect to God's secret will. That's worth talking about at the moment. That is that God's secret will includes our personal salvation. Back to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 first. For he chose us, God chose us in him, that's Christ, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will and skip down to verse 11 in him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will when we pray your king your will be done we surrender to god's electing will if you're a follower of jesus if you've put your trust in him and you follow him you're a christian person We can give great thanks and praise to God that we have become Christians. And the Father's will is that not only has He called us to be His, but He holds on to us through Jesus. He's got us and He'll never lose us. And one day He'll raise us up on that last day and we'll be with Him forever. And we also surrender to God's electing will that we don't know who He will save. We don't. And so we pray. We pray your will be done with my neighbour, my friend across the road. Uh, we, we share the gospel with them. We pray your will, praying your will be done reminds us that however proud and cynical people may be, and we've probably all got friends like that. Don't want to listen to this rubbish about Jesus. However proud and cynical they may be, God may yet have plans or other plans for them in his secret will. And so we pray. So when we pray your will be done, we submit ourselves, we surrender ourselves and our families and our world to God's, the God the Father's secret decrees. Trusting that his will is always good and just, even though we don't know much of it yet. Now, from our Father's secret will, we turn now to consider his revealed will published in Scripture. Scripture. Uh, I like this verse. It's a great one if you're a bit confused about things of God. Just go to Deuteronomy 29:29. Uh, For the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of his law or all the words of his word. There you go. So let's look at God's revealed will. So these are the plans and will of God published in Scripture, the plans he's skillfully weaving together and accomplishing. And so when we pray your will be done, we pray in confidence for the things that our Father has said he wants to do in our lives and in our world. Why don't we look at a few of those now? I'm going to go pretty fast and then have some verses up on the screen as well and see how you go. Again, if you've got a question, jot it down and we'll talk about it at the end. Here's the the first one we'll get to. Our Father's will is to put everything under Christ. Ephesians 1. This is the, the passage that um, uh, Valerie read for us a few moments ago. Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under who? Under Christ. So that's our Father's revealed will about Jesus. Our role as God's church is to submit ourselves to Christ's rule, uh, the Bible uses the term headship, so the, that the, the, so the wisdom of God may be known to everyone. That's our role as the church. Let's look at another one. Our Father's uh, revealed will is to make us like Christ. So when Paul famously explained, explained that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, uh, you've probably heard of that passage, it's often quoted with Christians, but they need to keep reading. It's really important you keep reading when you quote that little passage. Uh, Those have been called according to his purpose. He goes on to explain his purpose for us. And what's his purpose for us as Christians? To be conformed to the likeness of his son. That's our father's revealed will. That's his will. Now I want to show you four passages which spell out what this means in practice. Now here's the first one. What does it mean for us to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus? Here's the first one. It means self-sacrificial service. So Romans 12, 1 and 2. i read it out for you pretty quickly. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your whole bodies, your lives, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship or service. Same word. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed to the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing, perfect will. Self-sacrificial service. It also means sharing the gospel with others, with wisdom. That too is God's will for our lives. Ephesians 5, 15 to 18. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. It's the Lord's will for our life. Two more. Holiness is God's will for our life. 1 Thessalonians 4.3. It is God's will. What is God's will? That you should be sanctified. Sanctified, holiness, th- same thing. That you should avoid sexual immorality. So like it, what's the guys who park cars? A, a chauffeur, that's it. Um, they, 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 it's like a chauffeur. chauffeur? What's the, chauffeur. Valet, that'll work. I was trying to think of that word. It took me a week. couldn't get it. Thank you. Valet. So you you get a valet parking guy, and it's a valet parking guy steering a priceless Bentley, well clear of parked cars. That's the image I want you to have in your head. We are to keep ourselves well clear of situations in which we are likely to crash into immorality. That's what we're talking about here. Whenever we place a limit on our alcohol intake... Whenever we install a barrier to porn on our phones, when we decline an invitation to socialise with a married colleague or refuse to be alone in our bedroom or uh, with the boyfriend or girlfriend, we are accepting God's will for our life and our Father loves it. Let's go for one more. Contentedness. That too is God's will for our lives. In a culture obsessed with self-satisfaction, Christians are to give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see that? Friends, let's hear the liberating truth. The liberating truth. We don't need to look for signs and confirmation. The Bible is very clear. In fact, the Bible itself says his word is all we need for life and godliness. There need not be any confusion. There's no mystery or guesswork. By these, these, these four things we've just looked at and others, we demonstrate that we are God's children, showing our willingness to become like his son. Okay, so what's needed then? What's needed when we're making decisions in our willingness to be more like Jesus? Well, it's called wisdom. Wisdom. God doesn't tell us the future. Well, he tells us the future when Jesus returns. But until then, we don't really know, do we? And nor does he expect us to figure it out. When we don't know which way to turn or are faced with tough decisions in life, God doesn't expect us to sort of grope around in the dark looking for some hidden will of direction. He expects us to trust him and be wise. So... How did I answer the how do you know if it's God's will for you to come and teach here question? What will I say? It's a while ago now, but I do remember. Because I remember the response. Silence. Crickets. Anyway, here's what, here's what I said. And, and if I did my time again, if I had it again, I'd probably be a bit more um, uh, sensitive. And if I was a bit wiser with the years, I probably would be a little bit more sensitive. But I said, well, if you offer me the job and I accept it, then I know it's God's will. That's what I said. Uh, not quite the answer they were expecting, I think. I think they wanted some sort of sign or confirmation. God doesn't really care what job you have. As long as it's not openly sinful, don't become an arms dealer for terrorists. That's not a good idea. And male prostitution isn't a go. Um, drug dealing, no, all ruled out. God doesn't really care what job you have. What matters is how you do the job that you do. How you do the job that God has given us. That is, we do it in the likeness of his son. That's how we do our job, whatever that may be. Okay, well that leads us to say a few words about wisdom and making decisions. Let's do this. How do we get, this is point three in our outline, Uh, how do we get wisdom? Well, Proverbs 2, Proverbs is a great book on wisdom. We did a series on Proverbs two years ago. Anyway, Proverbs 2, one to three. My son, daughter, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for wisdom, and then a few verses later it says, then you understand uh, wisdom, you understand the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of all wisdom. Uh, What does it say there about, it actually says three things. Can you spot them? Three things there about what it means to be wise and how to get wisdom. Here's the first one. Store up his commands. Read our Bibles. Read your Bible. In fact, do more than that. Well, digest it. You know? Regularly digest, read, eat and swallow God's word. Have it in your heart. Read it. Now, many of you know I'm a bit of a coffee snob, um, I have at least two cups a day. That's not a lot. I know many more, many well, people in my family, for example, have a lot more. I'm not mentioning any names. Um, and, um, <laughs> but I, I have that too. But I, I drink good coffee. Friends, Nescafe is not coffee, it's a hot drink. <laughs> Don't be lied to. Um, LAUGHTER The thing is, I know the good stuff, right? I know the good stuff because I drink it regularly. I've developed a taste for it. I've developed a taste for good coffee. I have, over the years. Get such a taste for God's word so that over time you develop a taste for godliness. So digest God's word regularly. Eat it, swallow it, whatever. Drink it. That's wisdom. That's how you get wisdom. That's number one. Let's look at verse two. It's up there on the screen there. Turning your ears to wisdom. Listen to sound advice. That's how you get wisdom. Listen to sound advice. There's plenty of bad advice out there. No, no. Listen to sound advice, good advice. Proverbs is full of the wisdom of listening to wise counsel. So are you you teachable? Are you teachable? Do you listen? Are you willing to admit, ah, I didn't think of that. Or are you willing to say, I see your point? Listen to wise counsel. Be teachable. Christian friendship is fundamental to the Christian life. Absolutely fundamental. It's what makes church so, so important. And it's what makes small groups so, so important. Friends, commit to them. You can't be a Christian on your own. You can't be a Christian coming now and then. It's really, really hard. The Bible says Christian friendship's really important. You get it here, commit to it, and you'll gain wisdom. You'll make better decisions. Third one, verse 3, cry aloud for understanding. or Call out. Praying to God. Read the Bible, regularly eat it, digest it. Listen to sound advice. Be teachable. And pray to God. Ask for it. Pray to God that he'll open your mind to his word, you understand it. Pray for wisdom and wise decisions. Pray for things you already know in God's word. What do you already know? Oh, self-sacrificial service, sharing the gospel, holiness, being content. Pray for those things and you'll be wise. Uh, Jensen and Payne, this, in this book, I've plugged about 20 million times in my time here. Um, this, um, oh, I had little things. There you go. Okay, that looks pretty, doesn't it? Um, next slide. Uh, this book, Guidance the Voice of God, I've got a really old copy, it doesn't look like that at all, um, but a really good book. They, they mention three categories of decisions. One is matters of righteousness. So matters of righteousness are when God tells us specifically what to do and what not to do. So the decision is pretty simple really, isn't it? The decision is we should joyfully obey. That's a matter of righteousness. Should I cheat on my taxes? No. Um, Should I have an affair? Should I be generous? Should I commit to church? They're all simple, straight up and down answers that God tells us in his word. All matters that God has given us clear direction. However, our motivation for doing something can also be righteous or unrighteous. So moving to a bigger house in a fancier area for reasons of status and pride and greed... Or motivations um, for our clothing choices, uh, from status and pride, lust even, uh, they're motivations that are unrighteous. Another category of decision, or the next sort of category, is matters of good judgment. So you've got two good options, they both seem right. Uh, Wisdom is what's needed. So what do we do? We store up his commands, digest the word of God, we seek sound advice. We talk to Christian friends, uh, we pray, and we make a decision. That's how we do it. Let's go back to the kitchen in Newtown. Perth or Adelaide. We prayed about it. We talked to friends. We were regularly in God's word, still are. Um, And of course, there's no passage saying go do ministry in Perth. Um, We did check I'm a liar, 2 verse 15. I'm a liar, get it? Okay, it's okay. Look, think about it later on. It's fine. It's not a book in the Bible. You can look it up and try. So what do we do? What do we do? They're both very good options. They were both good options. Pros and cons for each. I don't think God cared what we did. As long as we served him in obedience and were willing to become more like Jesus. I don't think he cared. So we flipped a coin. We flipped a coin and it landed on Adelaide, and we went to Perth. (laughs) (laughs) We landed on Adelaide, we looked at each other and said, Nah, let's go to Perth. (laughs) So we went to Perth. I think it's just what we needed a little bit of a a kick in the bum, I don't know. Um, Third category of decisions these are matters of triviality. So they talk about, there's matters of little consequence. They're not worth wasting our time and energy on. So one option is not better or worse than the other. Should I buy a Ford or a Holden? Uh, Yes, that's trivial. (laughs) There's no Ford or Holden people here today. There's a few in our church. They should be here. Anyway, Um, it's trivial. Of course it's trivial. Uh, Just make a decision, move on. Uh, Wisdom says don't get caught up in these decisions. Just make a decision, move on. All right, Let's, let's sum things up a little here. Is there a way to sum it up, all this? I think this prayer, your will be done? Well, yeah, I think there is. Your will be done means surrendering our lives to Jesus. Like Jesus. Father, not my will, but as you will. That's what it means. God is good. He loves us. He, He knows what he's doing. So let's pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why don't I pray now and then we'll see what, if there's any questions or comments that, that, that come up um, and then we'll, we'll sing after that. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we ask that you'd help us to surrender our lives to your will. Lord, we see in your word today that you re- revealed to us what your will is, and that is to be conformed to the likeness of your son, whether it be in holiness and sharing the gospel, uh, whatever. Lord, we pray that you would help us to do that. Lord, help us to trust you and know that you're good. Help us to just make a, make a decision and be wise, and we pray for, your, for that wisdom in our life. Lord, thank you for church. Thank you for the, the, um, the joy it is to be here together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So this time I have given you lots of warning. Last time I didn't give you any at all.